Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I am very excited for my guest today, Christy Cook. Hi, Christy. Hi, Erin. Um, <laughs> I'm super excited for this episode because all the topics are very timely, but this one is particularly so because of some current events around Christy's expertise. So we are going to dig in, but first, Christy, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. So Christy Cook, as everyone has just been notified. Yes, I've been in the corporate sustainability space for about 20 years now, working with large corporates, consulting and I have really found my passion here recently, and my goal is really working to help startups and small and medium businesses to incorporate ESG. It's really important. They're less resourced and hugely important. And so I'm excited to get to use that expertise to help folks. And my company is named Investor Strategies. So, yeah. yeah. You will find this audience is also, we're kind of full of big company people, refugees, I'd say, who are using our expertise that we learn there and translating it for a different audience who doesn't have in-house people, either in-house counsel or in-house ESG experts, which is why I love to do with these episodes. So ESG, just to repeat it for the audience, that stands for Environmental Social Governance. So in my former life, you know, working with public companies, ESG was a big topic and certainly something we covered in public filings and the like, Mm -hmm. and not something we hear a ton in the smaller business entrepreneurial world, but it's certainly in line with the mission of this podcast, which is to create a more equitable economy. And so we're going to talk about the concepts as they apply to this audience. But first is a bit of background. Tell us how ESG shows up in those larger public companies. Oh my goodness, the large public companies, huge. And in many cases, they've been working on this for some very long time, some 20 years. You know, it's evolved from the words corporate responsibility, corporate social responsibility, sustainability. And while each of those are actually different, basically the common thread is that large corporates have been doing things around the environment and diversity and the governance of those issues for a long time. In many ways, and where it's showing up now specifically too, is a lot in supply chain that's mostly related around carbon, as well as human capital, how people are being treated. And so those are some very common ways it's showing up right now. And, you know, ESG really started, how it emerged is really a framework for looking at risk 
and performance, really from a financial standpoint. So if someone's investing in a company, what are the risks associated in those three categories? And it gives them a framework to really look at. And what we're seeing now, too, is just an evolution of doing it for many reasons. One's political pressure, political meaning from their board or even from customers. So that's one way that companies are experiencing that right now. A lot of regulatory compliance is happening. And again, just the war for talent, you know, Mm -hmm. attracting and retaining those employees and also really looking at growing your business. Right now, if you're going to grow your business, you've got to be prepared to talk about the things you're doing around ESG. It's starting to be required in RFPs. So request for proposals. If you're going to bid with a large corporation, you can see that as well. So those are a couple of ways it's showing up in the world right now and a little history of how we are where we are in a high level. Yeah. Well, that leads me to recount a story that I heard recently from a friend. And I'll make sure I don't get it wrong. He said this. This was about his decision to change his major from economics to English. He said, the great Milton Friedman came to my college and addressed the economic club. He was bragging about his pivotal role in Nixon's wage and price controls. I'm I'm a woman of a certain age, which addressed the problem of inflation by intentionally throwing the country into a recession. In the Q&A, I asked him, since the government intentionally caused the recession so as to benefit the many, what was the government's moral obligation to those who lost their employment due to the recession? His answer was, there was no moral obligation. I knew then that economics was not for me. And, you know, this was the 70s, I'm thinking. But today, more than ever, you know, consumers care. Yeah. Employees care, all the things you just said. And for better or worse, our corporations and our employers kind of reflect the way that we view the world, right? And share our values. So one, why is this still controversial? And two, do you think that corporations, he was talking about the government, do corporations have a moral obligation regarding the externalities of what they do? Great questions. It's so exciting too, by the way. You know, I think one of the things that's happening right now, obviously, you use the word controversial and it's true, but why is it controversial? It's controversial because we're hearing things and we're seeing them in the news. We're seeing things on social media. And the biggest takeaway to know is everyone can have their agenda and different agendas, but the solid takeaway, no matter what, ESG is not going away. Okay. That's the bottom line. And that's what people need to know. There can be different people and groups that are supporting a certain interest here or there, but please know it's not going away. A couple of things about why it's not going away and why you need to prepare because I always look, I've been in corporate sustainability for a little over 20 years. And when I'm looking to see what's happening in the U.S., I start looking abroad. And what I normally see is there's about a three-year lag time between what's happening in the U.K. or the E.U. and it coming here to the U.S. And we're in that time frame right now. And the E.U. has some strong regulations that have been in place for some time. And 2024 is the first year of reporting that these large corporations are going to be doing this for 2025 year. And frankly, how we see that showing up here in the U.S. is really in two ways. One is large corporates. They're global. They have to comply with these regulations. And what that means is that it comes here in the U.S. and it impacts others all within their supply chain. 
So if you're working with a large public, which is where it really starts in most cases, it's there. You're going to have to be prepared for it. So the opportunity that I see for small and medium companies right now is it's not required, but you're going to start to feel pressure, particularly from these large publics. Get ahead of it. Figure out what you need to do, and you're going to be better for it and stronger in the long run. So that's really the first thing of how I see things happening. I think the second part of that and how we're seeing this come to fruition, though, is we now have this carbon accounting, this carbon disclosure requirements. It's in the SEC right now. It's a rule that has been out for a while now. It's still in comment period. But what it's going to require is very similar to what's happening with the EU, where large publics are going to have to disclose. And likely that'll start about 2025. And, you know, everything's a little bit of a guess, but that's where it's coming. So again, it's not going away. Yes, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions on it, but the takeaway is to get prepared because it is coming and we have an opportunity to do some really cool things. I asked myself this, like one of the things is, I think if you ask someone, hey, do you want your company, do you want the economy to do well? Do you want people in the planet to thrive? Yes, is the answer. So this is why ESG matters. It's why sustainability matters and why people in companies can take part in this. And one other part, kind of to your question, you asked about companies and I really touched on that a lot, but you're also seeing this in government. And it's really a crossover of how it impacts corporations as well, because we've got executive orders that are out requiring this. So if you're a company that's looking to work with the government, you're going to be required to do this as well. So a multi-pronged approach that's happening here in the U.S. Hey, everyone. A quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of things. One about how the EU is leading the charge on a number of issues. You know, we saw this with data privacy where yes. they had much greater data privacy issues over there, over here, we're still taking your information, doing whatever the heck we want to do with it. And right. then finally that caught up with us. And we really haven't caught flat footed, frankly, because we don't have a nice federal law. We've got all these different yeah. state laws, which are a bit of a mess. But to be able to say that you can comply at that highest level definitely gives you a leg up. And then the other thing is being part of that supply chain. You know, as someone who reviews contracts, from big corporates to smaller service-based businesses and the size of them. I actually, I think it was today that I wrote a piece about the emergence of the 100-page MSA, which oh, is yes. because of all yes. these things that they want you to comply with. And it will be not at all unusual to have entire exhibits about ethics compliance and all of these things. And as they are more required, I'm sure, at the public company level to report their ESG initiatives, that they will want to make sure that everyone in their supply chain is clean. You know, nobody right. wants to get caught. I think it was a Cambridge Analytics that was a couple of years ago who Facebook was using and Cambridge Analytics was doing all sorts of crazy stuff with data. 
And they don't want to get caught up with that because the people will be canceled, right? We know that information spreads so quickly and people do protest with their wallets. And so just be ready for that for sure. Yeah. And I think you bring up two points I'd like to comment on is I've worked also with an environmental tech company and one of our large enterprise clients is a large global web-based technology type company. The very first master services agreement we had with them was three pages. When we went through the renewal process, just the data and security was 18 pages. And yes, it was part of some of the more stringent things around data and privacy and security, of course, which is also part of ESG, Mm -hmm. by the way. Not everyone thinks about that, but that is actually part of ESG Mm -hmm. is data security, the protection of identifiable personal information for people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure. So I just think that's so interesting. And if you really get and part of it is my feed, my news feed, right? The algorithms work, but I probably see two to three stories every day about another company that has been fined or been identified for not meeting some regulations that they thought they were meeting, or perhaps it was intentional. There's a lot of different ways this happens, but it's way more commonplace. It really is. So got to pay attention. Yeah. Speaking to the three page versus the hundred page MSA, I've been working with this one professional services firm for about 10 years. And at the very beginning, most of their clients, like 99% of them would just sign the quote. Like they'd send yeah. over a quote and they'd sign it and they'd go, that does not happen <laughs> any not longer. Any longer. <laughs> not any longer. <laughs> so speaking of the controversy, I just read an article about the co-founder of Home Depot who was complaining about woke diversity in his words because it doesn't benefit the bottom line and that pursuing these ideological agendas is at the expense of solid financial returns. So do the numbers support his contention that ESG doesn't benefit the bottom line? No, (laughs) is the short answer. But I think that the important thing that anybody should take away is I think you can find a fact and an argument to that fact everywhere. You can. I think in some ways it's the quality of the assessment. You can make data do almost anything if you want to. But at the same time, I think that the clear answer is, again, if we want people in the planet to thrive, obviously we have to do it in a way that makes financial sense because businesses have to be in business in order to do good. So in no way is this saying that you should do something at the expense of your business being sustainable in itself. That's definitely not what it should be. But yes, the numbers show that you're going to attract more talent. You typically will retain that talent. You're going to attract the customers that you want. These numbers just prove it. And another area that I would say that's emerging even more, and this is important as you're scaling up. I think that's a lot of what you talk about, right? And I do too. But when you're scaling up, it's important to realize and understand that financial institutions are looking at ESG. 100% they are. And 78% of companies that have ESG are more likely to get funded. And what I mean by the specific statistic is that 78% of investors are looking to ensure that you have ESG in the foundation of your business. And again, that's important because if you're trying to scale up, you're likely trying to get funding. 
You need to scale a team. Let's attract and retain that talent. You need to have consistent revenue and growth. Well, let's make sure customers want to buy. And you know what? Let's avoid that regulatory risk and fines. So have your ESG practices in place. I know it's complex and it can get even more complex. It can, but you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. So do something. One other point I would just say, and maybe this is my high horse, but I hate this term woke and how it can be used in a lot of different ways. But ultimately, don't we all want to know more? More information is powerful. So I hope I continue to learn more. And, you know, if you're going to call that term woke, I just think it's intelligence and wanting to strive to always learn something because I learn something every day, frankly. And it's one of the journal questions that I ask myself every day too. What did I learn today? Whether it's a statistic or something personal, but I think we should always be striving to learn more. I love that. I love that you journal about what you learned each day. I try to journal about gratitude. Yes. But I learned today. I like that one. <laughs> Sometimes they're surprising. Like, <laughs> but it's a quest to know myself better, be better and do better. And if you're not asking yourself those questions, you can miss it. And I think it's important. It's been really eye-opening for me. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So let's talk about what you do specifically with your clients. So who are they? What pain are they feeling that they say, I need to talk to Christy? And how do you work with them? Great question. You know, the pain is in some ways what we've talked about already. I'm really focused right now on startups that are scaling. And the reason why is, you know, in a perfect world, I would love to see more women and people of color receive more funding. Even typically, these are businesses that are focused more on people in the environment, which I care deeply about. So it really aligns to what I'm trying to do. But ultimately, ESG is important for everyone. So I am focused on startups and helping them build that fabric of ESG in their company as they're scaling. And again, I think it hits four business issues immediately, better prepares them and positions them to get funding against others and get more funding, revenue growth through customers, attracting and retaining talent, and also that regulatory compliance. And the way I try to work with these companies, especially the startups and the small businesses, is, you know, they may not have the technical knowledge. They may not have the expertise. They're very focused on their core of what they're trying to accomplish. So I try to make things as simple as I can by helping them understand the most important issues that they need to focus on and how to implement those. And what I have found is if you start your business in that way, it creates and fosters growth in those areas in the future, which is also important. So that's kind of like thinking about this. You don't have to be doing this for 20 years. We all start somewhere. So start where you are. And that's what I help clients do. Understand where they are, what the most important issues are, how to address those. And where that comes down is it helps them understand how to talk about ESG fluently and how it relates to their business. Exactly, again, what to focus on, how to measure performance, because that's really important. You've got to be able to talk to your customers, your clients, even reporting on what you're doing, why, as well as the investors, and report progress over time. So I try to simplify that for them and provide a model and process that can be repeatable for them. In a way, again, understanding the amount of time they have to focus on ESG, it's not separate, but it's often viewed that way. So I start by educating and it becomes a real fabric of who they are and what they do as a company. It's great. 
yeah, yeah, integrating it as part of their operations and not exactly. this thing over there that you do. Yes. 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 Absolutely. You know, you mentioned something earlier, the switch from the major from economics. And one of the things that's happening right now that's really impacting particularly small and medium businesses. But 20 years ago, when I started in this, there really wasn't a degree in sustainability or ESG. And a lot of it was learning in your operations and applying that. Well, there's a lot more of that today and that you can get different, more certifications, different programs. But what we're seeing is a lot more college students coming at this from a data standpoint. That's great, especially with the amount of reporting and the requirements. It's imperative, frankly. But what I'm seeing and how that happens, and especially in small and medium companies, is you get these college graduates, they know some things, don't get me wrong, but now you put them in an organization where perhaps the C-suite and board want ESG, they don't quite know what that means. They can't provide the guidance on that. And you have this person that's typically passionate about this topic, but without guidance and leadership and where to go. And so that's one of the gaps to some degree that I'm seeing. It's unfortunate because also that person who's doing the work it's a disconnect in the organization. They feel like they're not quite accomplishing what they want. Mm -hmm. And in the long term, if that person isn't successful, if they can't manage a complex organization where you need all this buy-in, but no one reports to you and it's mm -hmm. not their day job, right. it's difficult. It actually leaves a mark in the company of maybe this ESG doesn't work kind mm -hmm. of thing. So that's one of the things I would just say that I'm seeing. I'm going to be interested to continue to watch that and see how it progresses over time. And that's part of the reasons why I like to work with the companies. I think mentoring the small and medium companies, mentoring these folks, helping them understand, some would even call it soft skills, but how you navigate an organization, how you create buy-in at a C-suite level and what you push for and how you have different conversations are skills that aren't always taught. And right. it's something that's incredibly valuable to the work and the impact of the work. Yeah, there's definitely a transition that I've been seeing for the last several years about the unsiloing mm. of different departments. You know, yes. the legal department is just siloed. You only talk to them if something goes wrong. Communications is siloed. You only talk to them if you got some mess to clean up or for your social responsibility group. You know, they're over there sponsoring some kind of charitable thing. <laughs> right. Know? But bringing them all in at the earliest stages yes. so that they're all working towards the same goals. There's yes. a lot of that happening, which is great to see. And I think that's, yes. more, you know, the 21st century model than the Absolutely. Old 20th century model. So that's great to hear. Absolutely. So that, that brings us to the Hourly Exit podcast, you know, helping to build a scalable and saleable business. And so there are a lot of ways you've talked about that would be instrumental in helping an expertise-based business that's mostly IP-based business scale. Right. So there's a lot of them you can cover. So talk us through like three of them, the top three that you think. Might, might... Top three actions that you yeah. would suggest? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The number one thing that I hear is often, well, I don't know what to do or how to do it. So first I would just say, I actually have some free resources for that. So folks can look at that on my website if they like, but ultimately you've got to do something, right? So what do you do? Let's just say we'll talk about one item in each category. You really, for the environmental standpoint, you've got to look at carbon because you are likely in someone's supply chain somehow, whether you're service-based or goods-based business, it's going to be required. So you've got to start thinking about that. 
And in the social area, always diversity. We've got to look at that. And some of the biggest ways, especially if you're looking at scaling, I would say make sure your board is representative of a diverse organization as well as your team. Mm -hmm. But that's important. And governance. Governance is how do you make sure you continue to do things in the way you're intending? You get no surprise is the risk. And the thing that... Well, can I stop you on the governance piece? Please. Like, what is the connection between governance, which I think is just like kind of corporate governance, minutes and stuff like that, and yeah. kind of yeah. sustainability? This is what I think. I think FTX has been in the news a lot. FTX is Sam Bankman-Fried, right? And he is the guy who is in jail now currently, or I think he's actually home. Yes. <laughs> jail, but he's been arrested. And part of this all has to do with how he managed the business. Governance oversees the safety of that business, essentially. If there is good governance, those things wouldn't have, in theory, happened. Now, how this applies to, and that's like bribery, money laundering, all these things should be basic of how you run an operation, a company. Whatever. Not committing crimes, yes. Yes, not committing yes, crimes. It's yes. definitely part of ESG. And the governance is really some overseeing of that. And so that's a very businessy way of looking at that. But the way it's evolving for ESG, and there's a lot of risk. And I'll keep talking about supply chain because it's one of the top risks that people are thinking about right now and looking at, again, because of carbon and because of human capital, how people are treated throughout the supply chain. But if you set a standard, you have to be able to oversee it. You have to have something that's measurable and you have to report over it. And that's part of the governance and the oversight that happens. And it's really an agreeing upon, this is how we're going to do business and understanding that those are your guiding principles of it. That's how I think about it and the importance of governance. You'll also see a lot of data security and governance as well. It kind of typically falls under that. But again, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. So, you know, this is a very meta podcast. You know, I am the female founder of an expertise-based business that I am growing to hopefully sell someday. So I must ask you as the female founder of an expertise-based business, are you thinking about selling it someday? Is that anywhere on your radar? Do you have an idea about what you might do if you weren't doing this? <laughs> so interesting. I definitely do. And I believe that... Folks don't always agree with me because ESG is very complex. And I just think sometimes we overcomplicate things, all right? And I think it varies by where companies and people are in their maturity. But I think that part of what I am creating is this process and this repeatable way of doing things that can really simplify things. And frankly, no one else is doing it right now. No one else is helping the startups and small and medium businesses. Maybe people don't think that's where the money's at, but my gosh, that's where our world is and focused on. That's a large part of it. So let's do that. I am very interested in continuing to grow because I do think that this approach is slightly different in my processes. And my biggest thing is impact. So how can we have exponential positive impact? And you can't do that without, in my opinion, and the way I like to guide myself, but it's looking to the future 
And part of that is how do we, again, scale into a large saleable business and really excited about just recently approached by an organization that's really focused on that. And so it's kind of exciting to think about it in that way and even potential perhaps sooner than later. But yes. Wow, that is exciting. Well, you're talking my language about increasing impact by creating a scalable Mm -hmm. business. We know that there's only so much we can do on a one-on-one basis. And so at some point, we have to expand beyond ourselves, whether it's through employees, if that's your thing, or through some sort of products or other ways of leveraging our talents. And so I love to hear that. That is great. So as we wrap up, three final questions. So creating a more equitable economy is something that is very important to us here. And so is there a person or organization that is doing work in this area that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, absolutely. So the organization that I want to talk about is called Bandar and Baloo. And it, well, yeah, we'll so this in the show notes, everyone. So uh, yes, awesome. So you'll see the website. And I love the organization for many reasons. One, the founder is also a former boss. So I know her very well mm-hmm. and I know what she's trying to accomplish and do. So it's just really great. But her name is Deborah Hecker and she founded Bandar and Baloo. And she founded it because the organization really does two things. One, there's waste reduction component. And what I mean by that is 85% of all clothing in the U.S. either goes to the landfill or is incinerated. It's huge. And what she does is repurpose saris. So saris are a traditional Indian and other culture garment that is worn. And she takes these garments and with a group of volunteers, they create animals and jewelry and purses, just really cool things that are repurposed that you can buy. And it goes in support of improving graduation rates for girls in India. Because we know that if girls succeed, communities succeed, families succeed, there are higher levels of thriving in the world. And so it's a great organization. I would just encourage everyone to go check it out. And I think one of the cool things that's happened recently in some ways is Damar Hamlin. You know, he had, I think, a GoFundMe for a couple of thousand dollars. That's now over nine million. Yes, this is a small organization with (laughs) dreams. How about that? So help girls in India and reduce waste and check out Bandar and Baloo. Well, I love that. That directly hits our theme, which is wealth in the hands of women can change the world. Right. As women provide more for their families, for their communities. And some people you know, take space flights with it, with them. <laughs> they fund school programs. So that's another story. So I love that. So anything new happening in your business? And is mm-hmm. there any kind of offer that you'd like to share that would be of interest to you? Oh. Great, great. I'm so excited. I forgot about this. This is exciting. So yes, I do have a offer. It's new. It's here in the spring. And so I have a course that is available, particularly for startups, to really help them implement the ESG practices they need in order to get funding. So check out my website, Investor Strategies. That's Invest H-E-R. And I know the links will be, yes. will be here, Erin. So thank you for that. But that's really what I'm focused on right now, because I just saw an article this week, basically over the last several years, 3% of funding, a little less than 3% has went to women. That's now down below 2%. It's at 1.9% now. This is an article I just saw. So let's do some good things here. Let's implement some ESG practices. Let's make sure that companies with good ways of working are thriving. So check it out. And I'd be glad to chat with anyone book yeah, the clients that, 
great clients that care about ESG are the clients that you want to work with. Those are the ones Absolutely. that are great partners for you. So yes. that is Thank great. You. So we know we can find you at investorstrategies.com. Where else can people find you? find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to find me if you're looking to chat and of course my website. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Christy. So much wisdom shared. Much appreciated. Thank you. So much fun. I hope that the listeners get something out of this and it was fun. Thank you, Aaron. Um, 100%. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe and I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.